Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Episode 132 of Blue Jays Nation Radio, Yeremchuk and Coomzy, the first post-series episode of the pod this season. Felt good to have baseball back, Coomzy. We'll just start with that. It was nice waking up on a Sunday and being like, damn, I got something to do today. The Jays are playing. It really was. I mean, the outcomes weren't necessarily exactly how we wanted them to go, specifically on the Saturday and the Sunday, but that Thursday was an absolute blast. I mean, I'll, I'll even just take... I don't know if I'll be saying this if they have any rough games against the likes of Kansas City or, you know, Anaheim in the coming days. But right now I'll take even a shitty, frustrating Saturday, Sunday loss to the Cardinals over spring training March ball. I'm, I'm, I'm just happy it's here, to be honest with you. And Coombsy, if you had the over in that opening day thriller, then you would have been a happy better. Uh, Record-setting opening day 19 hits is the first in our 3-up, 3-down segment today. It was nice to see the Jays' offense just kind of come alive right off the bat. It really was. I mean, it, it, it had a vibe at the very start. It almost kind of felt like last year's wildcard game. A lot of people were pointing that out. On Twitter, it was kind of like, oh, the Jays jumped out to an early lead. We were all exciting. And then all of a sudden, that lead's just slowly disappearing. You know, Alec Manoa doesn't have his best start. The relievers are blowing the leads. It's like, uh-oh, this looks weirdly familiar. I don't love this. But it was nice to see the bats just be so good. And against good St. Louis pitching, too. I mean, the Jays come out and explode with 19 hits. Literally, everybody's involved. You have George Springer at the top of the lineup. Every time he puts the bat on the ball, it lands. It's five times, bow four times. Everyone's involved. It's fantastic. I mean, I think we saw on the first day the upside of the lineup. It's a little bit of a different approach than we've seen before. It seems like more hitting for contact, trying to draw walks, trying to get guys on base, trying to, you know, go from first to third on a single, trying to, you know, steal a base here and there. It's it, it's a really different look than what we've seen in years past. And I mean, it wasn't necessarily the case in games two and three, but game one, it was, damn, this is an exciting offense. Yeah, just zeroing in on game one, I think, you know, the fact that it was so exciting is obviously a big positive. The second up I'd have from that is just the Jays got contributions from a bunch of different parts in their lineup, right? You had obviously Springer and Bichette combining for nine hits, but Chapman hitting in the seven hole. He racks up three hits in that ball game. Kevin Kiermeyer is going to be one of my ups as well. Two hits in the nine hole. We heard them say on the broadcast a bunch of times that, oh, Kevin Kiermeyer has a goal of being the best nine hitter nine-hole hitter in baseball. Um, and I mean, with that being his goal, it was certainly a good start for him in that opener. Um, I liked what Kevin Kiermaier brought to the Jays' lineup. Played some good defense, too. I did, too. It was a, it was a, it was a pretty big game-changer there late in game one when he 
rip from first to third there and kind of set the table for Vladdy to drive him in with the winning sack or the go-ahead sack fly at that time. I mean, if you look at last year's version of the Jays or the ones in the past, if that's a different guy running, not Kevin Kiermeyer, probably doesn't wind up at third base and the Jays may not go ahead in that inning. So like I was just touching on, it was the 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 new look aspect of the team, the speed, that kind of thing that we saw a lot on display in game one. Yeah, uh, those are the two big ups there. Uh, listen, we got a chance to see a lot of Jays relievers in this series, which maybe wasn't <laughs> ideal with the three pitchers they had going. But for the third up, I mean, there's going to be a lot of attention on this bullpen here. And we're kind of at this point because they dropped two or three. We're reaching for some of the ups. But I did like what I saw from Eric Swanson in that series. I'll give him kind of the third up, Coombs. Yeah, I thought when he came in that first game, struck out two batters, pitched an inning for the Jays. I didn't love the decision to actually go away from him at all, but we'll touch on that in a bit. Um, I thought Eric Swanson gave the Jays some really solid outings. Yeah, I don't blame him at all for the earned runner. I don't even know if they called it an earned run in game two. That really wasn't his fault at all. I thought, we mentioned this in the pre-series, on the preseason podcast with BK as well. Lots of pressure for this guy, man. He's coming into the season as the guy who came back in a big trade for a likable player. Mm -hmm. Microscope's always on relievers. It's never easy. I mean, um, to come out and pitch well like that, that's a nice way to start your season. Another one we should probably give a plus two here from the bullpen is Romano, considering how ridiculously good that first um, appearance was in the ninth inning. We're going to touch on this one again, too, when we get to the downs, but I'm I'm a little disappointed they didn't use him in the eighth against St. Louis's big guys, but when he came out against the bottom of St. Louis's order in the ninth, he was just, like, ridiculously dominant. And it's nice to see that, too, because it's a shitty way they ended last year with pretty much every reliever melting down in that game against Seattle. So specifically for Romano to come out and just kill it like that, that's what you like to see. Yeah, it was uh, it was a really good opener from Romano. Uh, let's get into the downs, though, because on the whole, I guess, I mean, you're excited that baseball's back, all that. But losing 2-3 or in your season opener is a little disappointing, obviously. So let's talk about maybe a little bit of what went wrong. Number one, Coombsy, it's going to be the appearances from the three starting pitchers. Alec Manoa had his first start, I believe, since 2021. I mean, in his young career, something we talked about a lot last year throughout his just ridiculous season was he never really has bad starts. He has average starts and great starts and like that's it. Um, but he only goes three and a third. He gives up five earned runs as well. Um, that was an ugly one from Manoa. Certainly not how we uh, were I envisioning him starting his season. No, definitely not. And circling back to what I just said, when you look at his last start was maybe didn't handle the pressure of the wild card game one particularly well uh, and had a bit of a hard time in that outing a difficult first inning you know it's not necessarily the best to see him come out on opening day and not pitch his best um at this time of year usually the batters are further ahead than the pitchers and he did say after the game it's just going to take a couple of adjustments and everything should be fine but i mean i'll, I'll give the guy the benefit of the doubt like you said there since he came up in 2021 it's been quality start after quality start after quality start but it, I, I mean, I think it kind of just goes to show this This was three and one-thirds inning and five earned runs, and that's something that didn't happen once for him last season. Went further than, went at least five innings in every start last year, and, and his most amount of earned runs in a single start was just four. So, I mean, like, somebody with that much, consistent list, that much consistency, I'm not going to sit here and put really any stock into a start in, it wasn't even April, it was at the end of March. So, not, not, not too much of a worry for me. 
Yeah, and that's and that's where I'm go. That's where I'd go with Gosman too. Like for both Manoa and Gosman, I was like, you know, listen, not ideal. Gosman still managed to go six innings. He still struck out seven, but there was those squeakers, right? And you feel like you're getting PTSD. to Gosman starts from last year, where it's like, oh my god, he deserves way better than this. Um, but at the end of the day, no earned runs from Kevin Gosman, so definitely not fair to classify that as a quote unquote poor start. Even though the Jays lost that ball game for Manoa and Gosman, I'm not concerned at all. But I will say. I don't have that same feeling about Chris Bassett. Granted, we haven't had, you know, the night to sleep on it. You wake up the next morning and go, ah, it's just one start. Not that bad. But they hammered Chris Bassett. Oh, yeah. And they didn't just get a couple of lucky shots in on him. No. It was early. It was often. It was home runs. It was hard base hits. I looked at that, and then you hear everything the broadcast is talking about, how, you know, he might be a little rattled having to call his own game. There's a lot going on in his head. And I'm just like, holy shit, this might be a headache all year. <laughs> Yeah, you, 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 um, I agree with you. I'm, I'm not worried about the first two starters at all. Uh, Gosman, bad luck. Manoa, like I said, whatever. Early start in the season, nothing in the world of Bassett, though. You talk about him using the pitch com and he's trying to throw like 10 different pitches to a new catcher. I, I think it, given how bad that was, it wasn't just sort of bad. It wasn't just like, oh, yeah, he allowed a huge run to, allowed a huge bomb in the middle of the game. No, it was like almost every at bat was just St. Louis was teeing off on him. So probably after how bad that was, it might be time. It, it might already be time to just step back and be like, okay, we got to do something different. Let Danny Jansen or Alejandro Kirk or whoever is catching, just call the game. Maybe you can't use nine different pitches. Let's shrink it down to four or five, maybe even three. If we have to, it's going to take some time to learn the catchers for the pitcher to learn for them both to learn each other. It might not be ideal when you're making your first starts, your first real starts with the pitch clock to be fucking around with the pitch com trying to call your own game. There's too many things going on. Do the Mark Burley style thing where you just let your catcher tell you what pitch they want and don't shake them off. Just go for it. And I would venture that's going to work better than whatever the fuck was going on today because whatever was happening on Sunday, do not try that again. That was that was hard to watch. That was batting practice. Yeah, and I think I think you nailed it. Why are we trying to win the World Series, win the Cy Young in your first start? I get that one of the things that makes Chris Bassett who he is and as effective as he's been for the last number of years is, hey man, he's got a bunch of pitches, the batter doesn't know what's coming. But first start against St. Louis, maybe you didn't need eight or nine. Maybe you just needed four good pitches, and you're right. Why are you trying to galaxy brain yourself in your first start? It was... It was really weird. So uh, Chris Bassett gets one of the downs. The second down outside of the rotation. I'm, I'm going to go and throw one your way, Coombsy. I didn't like the way John Schneider managed his bullpen in that first game. Talking about galaxy braining, I felt like that's exactly what was going on. It's early in the year. You had a guy in Zach Pop who was throwing really well. Okay, you take him out because you don't like the matchup or whatever. You bring in Eric Swanson. He's pitching lights out. And then again, you kind of just... Galaxy brain yourself. I felt like early in the year, opening day, even this whole first week here, if you got a guy pitching well, just let him go. Don't sweat the matchups right now. Just let guys get into grooves a little bit. And I felt like Schneider, again, was overmanaging a little bit and made some bad calls in that first game. Yeah, I think there was there was some calls throughout both the first two games too, really. I mean, even in the second game, um, this one probably doesn't stand out quite as much, but... There was an opportunity with Kevin Biggio batting, and I think the bases were loaded. This must have been the eighth inning, and the game's still well within reach. And Kevin Biggio is allowed to uh, is allowed to take the at bat when you have someone like Kirk sitting on the bench who could come in and hit instead. And it was kind of like 
wait a minute, why would you have Kevin Biggio taking a late game situation, a late game at bat like this when you have options on the bench? And then, you know, like you said, circling back to the first game, Zach Pop's killing it, comes out probably way too quickly. Eric Swanson, he gets taken out, um, even though he might actually be their best lefty specialist pitcher. We heard BK talk about that on our preseason podcast. He had ridiculously good splits last year against lefties. And I mean, it's it's the 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 magnifying glass is on this exact thing so hard right now because I think a lot of people didn't love the way that John Schneider managed in the second wild card game when they imploded. I mean, obviously a lot of that is just the hindsight 2020 because every single thing went wrong in that game. And that's just kind of the easy way to do it. Like let's, you know, second guess all of these decisions. But <clears throat> it was a lot of the same decisions in game one. Like there's um it feels like there's like he's he's leaning too hard on Tim Meza to be this lefty specialist outs guy. And I'm not really sure if he is that guy, like the way Eric Swanson was pitching, I would have rather had him go up against those big St. Louis left-handed up left-handed batters. And, you know, the bullpen wound up um, blowing like three different leads in that game. You also have the eighth inning St. Louis's best guys are all coming up and it's a perfect non-save save situation for Jordan Romano, kind of the new school way of doing it. But instead somebody else comes in, Jimmy Garcia comes and allows two runs and then Romano doesn't go into the ninth inning. And, you know, it's, it's still a safe situation, but it's against the bottom of their lineup. Yeah. You know, it, it, it probably would have made more sense for um, Romano to come in and face the Goldschmidt's, the Arenados, those guys, rather than having him go in the ninth inning just because it's the ninth inning. You know, this is just kind of, it's that old school managing. It has its, it has its positives, but it's also frustrating to see the bullpen work in that way. But we'll see how things go as time moves along. Yeah, like I'm not going to sit here and rag too hard on anyone really for their opening weekend performances. Like again, it is just three out of 162. And I think, you know, every game is tough. I'm not saying there are, are, you know, or not must win, but, you know, free spots on the bingo card here for the Jays. But the nice part about their opponents early in the season here is, Like, you're going KC next for four. They're not going to be a very competitive ball club this year. LA, I mean, they're bad. Yeah. Um, LA, you never know what you're going to get because it's Trout and Otani, but like, they are probably not going to be that much of a threat. You go Detroit after that, they got absolutely rinsed by the Tampa Bay Rays (laughs) today. Um, Like, your next 10 games. Pardon? They almost got no hit in that game. Yeah, like uh, stop paying attention. But Springs was pitching uh, for the Rays. He had like twelve Ks. Like it was just ridiculous. He was running through that whole lineup. He didn't give up a hit for I think six innings. Um, You have some weak spots coming up here where you can maybe experiment a little. um, But they do have a great chance here in the first two weeks of the season to really get off on the right foot. So losing two to three to the Cardinals, I'm not like losing my mind over it. No one should be. Even if they got swept this week, this weekend, we shouldn't have been like losing our shit because again, easy spots coming up here, some series you can definitely take advantage of and you can really still, even though you lost two or three to start, get off to a good start at when you look back at the first few weeks of the season as a whole. So yeah, we got the weird decisions from Schneider, uh, the pitching and the three starters specifically and the third down we'll go with um, no home runs, Coomzy. I mean, this offense last year, I would have been like, my mind would have been blown. They still, you know, got 10 in that first game, but the offense kind of really dried up from that point forward. Uh, any concerns there? Like, I, I don't know. I look at that first game and I go, hey, you scored 10 runs. You didn't have to hit a dinger. Like, that's a sign of a team that can generate offense really well. And maybe it's at least in the moment, I was like, this is a team that's going to sustainably or consistently put up good numbers because they're not just relying on the long ball. But I still would have liked to see a dinger. 
Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at too. I think if this this was a random series in mid June or July or something, and they went ahead and you know had the ten run game where they get 19 hits and they score all those runs without hitting a bomb, we'd be like, wow, that's cool. This is a diversified lineup that's doing its thing. Like I said, pretty much right off the hop in the show, like look at them going first to third, using their speed, like drawing walks, blah blah blah. But yeah, it's weird to see they. This is so. This is um. I think Scott Carson pointed this out on the broadcast, and it was also on Twitter as well. But this was the first time that the Jays have ever gone without hitting a home run in their first three games of the season. And I think the only other team that has hasn't hit a home run thus far is the Milwaukee Brewers, who have a lineup full of guys who you're like, who even is that? This guy can't hit for any sort of power whatsoever. They were among the worst hitting teams in Major League Baseball last year. So that's not necessarily ideal. I think we all know that they're going to hit for a little bit less power this season, but oof, it's <laughs> not exactly something you'd like to see. I really thought that Matt Chapman won. It was in like the third or fourth inning. I think it would have put them ahead five to four, six to four, or something like that when the game was still tight in game three. I thought that was gone. And then the St. Louis outfielder caught it, and it was absolutely devastating. And the kind of weird thing is now is so they're off to Kansas City, a huge park where it's hard to hit home runs. How long is this going to go on? When are they going to hit their first bomb? Uh, it is a tough park to hit homers, but I got a funny feeling that it'll be early in this first game against KC. Someone will just get one from Brady Singer and take it for a ride. Um, they're due. They're the definition of due. There's no way you can roll out Springer, Bo, and Vladdy as the top three of your order for like a fourth, fifth, or sixth straight game potentially and not have one of those guys stumble into hitting a bomb. It'll happen. It'll come. I'm not that worried about it at all. No. The, the 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 positive to draw here too is like the approach did look really good they they really should have scored a whole bunch of runs in game two they probably should have scored more runs in game three mm. i think the process and the foundations there like they drew what vladi walked three times bgo walked twice maryfield twice even Varsho walked twice he was hitting off of lefties and then there's one two three four five more so like you know they walked more than 10 times in that series like they the the, the approach was good so i mean the process is there it'll it'll come around not a lot of reasons to be like legitimately concerned about this Jays team. I mean, if they stumble against Kansas City, then maybe we start having some different conversations when we do this podcast Thursday evening. But like, it's it's so early. I mean, I saw some people on Twitter like doing the usual thing. Some people calling for Schneider's head after Game One. Oh, like, yeah. oh same same old shit from the playoffs. And it's like, good lord, people, it's gonna be a long summer if that's the case. Yeah, just just maybe tune out and save yourself the difficulties if you're in the beginning of April melting down about managerial <laughs> decisions or signing for Bassett after his first start. Like this, let, let let's wait until July, August to freak out about things. Although, and this was so when we did our predictions episode with BK, we also did the three things at the end that we wanted to see for the vibes of the season, and one of mine was Bobichet figures out defense and we're done having the conversation about him as a shortstop or oh, do they got to move him to second base blah, blah, blah. and his first fucking play of the year he rifled it into the stands and I was just like are you kidding me man you couldn't give me like the first series to at least be like hey I might be right about this one could not have been more incorrect uh, he had another play in that game where he Vladdy had to come off the bag and tag the guy to get him out like oh man that conversation's not dying <laughs> Yeah, they, they did a masterful job of improving the outfield defense. And I think we saw that, especially in game one. There was hits and runs being saved. But unfortunately, the improved outfield defense does not mean that the infield defense is going to be any better, specifically at one spot. And I mean, ah, we're not going to... 
I don't know. Where are we with this one? This is a weird one. Like this is this is something that's been a talking point literally forever. So we're not it's not early and we're not overreacting to something early if it's been something we've talking we've talked about since day one. But I mean, what's the solution here? Is there is there is there any situation where we see him being moved to second? I I personally doubt it. I I don't I don't think it's going to happen. I just it is what it is at this point. I think there's enough strong defense elsewhere in the diamond that to compensate for it that it's not the end of the world. It's just so noticeable. Mm-hmm. Like it's so it's so present, and it's again because we've all latched onto it. Like Matt Chapman made a bad play as well in that game in the in game two, and in a way you could say it cost them that ball game because it led it to did. basically three runs. Um, yeah. And you know we're not talking about that because Matt Chapman's got gold gloves and he's one yeah. of the best third basemen in the league. I'm not like it's, I know it's a bit of an apple to oranges comparison, but like when Bo messes up, everyone's noticing it, right? Everyone's talking about it. It's it's just become one of those things, unfortunately, which is why I said for the vibes of the season, I didn't want it to be a thing, but here we are. It will most certainly be a thing. Uh, the Jays okay. dropped two of three to the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. They have four coming up against the Kansas City Royals. Uh, we're going to talk about that and more, but first, a quick break. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. BGN Radio episode 132 brought to you by Batano. Uh, okay, before we stepped aside there, Coomzy, I said my Bichette one's already not looking good. I have another prediction from our opener that is not looking good as well. I said Aaron Judge would take a step back. Yeah, that guy's not nope. taking a step back. No. He's I good. Think we, 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 we both kind of put that into our predictions. It's almost as though we were just like manifesting it into the universe. I don't think either of us actually believed that was going to be the case. I just kind of hoped they were going to let him stop hitting the juice balls. But it seems that they are letting him hit the juice balls again, which is not good. Hopefully the Jays get some juice balls in Kansas City, though. That'd be ideal. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, I just Like, it's for the first pitch he sees, he hammers <laughs> it to center field. And I was driving and listening to the game. I was driving into our office listening to the game. And it was just like, yeah, fucking, of course yep. he just did that. Of course Aaron Judge did that. Um, elsewhere around the majors, uh, let's talk about this. The Game times down almost half an hour in terms of the average. Again, very early, but Dan Shulman pointed this out on the broadcast that at the start of today, 
the first few days of the regular season had gone by and the average game was two hours and 40 minutes. Listen, I know some people are not happy about the pitch clock. I know some people think it's rushing the game and changing the way it's played too much. I don't hold that view at all. If games hold under three hours all season, this change is a massive victory for Major League Baseball. Yeah, it does. I mean, I I didn't love it at first. I was a bit skeptical. I thought that it would create a little bit more chaos but all it's really done thus far is just, I mean, you can, you can still have like a classic long game. Like I think that mm-hmm. 10, nine game in game one between the Jays and the Cardinals was a classic game. It was, you know, what, three hours, 36 minutes, still like a long, interesting thing. It's just that the time between things happening is shorter now, which is probably better. I mean, I do still love that, you know, late season slash playoff drama where there's, you know, 30, 45 seconds, a minute, even between each pitch. And I, I don't know. I I feel like maybe that'll be lost in certain times and it's a bit disappointing, but just clicking around the channels and watching games, things are moving a lot quicker and it's, I hate to say it a lot less boring because I'm not like a baseball is boring guy, but mm-hmm. there are times where you're like, Oh man, like I'm watching San Diego and Colorado in the fifth inning and it's taking a minute and a half between pitches. What are we doing? But it's, it's good to lose that. I just hope we don't lose those 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 cool drawn out ninth ninth inning moments. I I hope that's not what disappears. Yeah, and that's actually the one thing I wish Major League Baseball would have tweaked with this is get rid of it in the ninth inning or extras. I think you know you don't want a game like can you imagine a three one count bases loaded and we're robbed of the final moment of that game, a potential walk-off hit because a pitcher took a second too long. Like I, I can just see that happening once this year, and it'll be a major story. Everyone, will, it'll go viral. ESPN will be posting it, all that stuff, and it'll make the sport look bad. I think the easy tweak would have been ninth inning, no pitch clock. Yeah. What would that extend games by? Three minutes, maybe, at most? <laughs> And those are the, the fun parts of games that everybody yep. wants. It's that everybody wants to be watching anyway, right? So, yeah, no one's ever said the ninth inning in a close ball game wasn't <laughs> exciting, right? Like, I mean, come on. It's too so long. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, I did notice. I think uh, former J. Marcus Stroman was the first pitcher to get dinged with a pitch clock violation, so he will be the answer to that trivia question. I think he did it on purpose because he wanted to be the answer to the trivia question. I think that he blocked the pitch clock on Twitter <laughs> after the game. <laughs> uh, that's good. Uh, any other takeaways from you from opening weekend around Major League Baseball? I, I mean, there was like a few interesting games I tuned into. Um, the Red Sox and Orioles series was high scoring. That was fun. It was nine five today. Adam Duvall had like a huge bomb. I there was it was a fun weekend. I'll say that. It was also kind of a random thing to point out because it doesn't really pertain to us whatsoever. Is the Cardinals looked fantastic? I didn't realize their lineup was that good. I, 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 it's just a team I truly just don't pay too much attention to. And I thought that it was, you know, Goldschmidt, Arenado in the middle of the lineup and then this new Lars Newtbar guy. And I thought, yeah, there ain't a hell of a lot otherwise there, but man, they just had nine guys who can hit. And it's like the 2015 Jays style lineup, just absolutely mashing. I didn't expect that. Yeah. They got some legit bats there. I will make a prediction for the Cardinals just based on listening to the broadcast this weekend and getting a kind of feel for that team. Dylan Carlson for a starting pitcher. I mean, that's probably the way they need an arm. They don't really have a high-end ace because, I mean, Adam Wainwright already on the IL. He's old, obviously, in baseball terms. I think they could use an arm, and Carlson feels like, weirdly, he's a spare part for that organization. 
Yeah, they have so many different bats and so many different good outfielders. This is like circling all the way back to like our off-season talk. I mean, their bullpen too is a little bit sketchy. It's like Jordan Hicks could not throw a strike. Um, the Jays were walking off of him like crazy. So that's a team where it does kind of remind me 2015 Jays energy, man. They, they need some pitching help, but damn, their lineup's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, before we take a look ahead at the series against Kansas City, Keegan Matheson has this. It's a quote from Chris Bassett. He says, I'm at a little bit of a loss for words. I've never had a game like this where six different pitches were getting hit hard. He said the Cardinals were way more aggressive than normal, commended their lineup as well. Just kind of hearing that where he you know, talks about six of his pitches getting hit hard. And then also he points out the Cardinals were more aggressive than normal. It felt like he didn't even really have the maybe the right mindset coming into this. Like, you should be prepared for the other team to swing early. Like, it felt like, again, felt like he was throwing batting practice today. And I think that quote kind of raises an eyebrow. And I'm like, eh, were you were you fully prepared heading into this one here? Because it just seems like this start was wildly disorganized on a lot of fronts. Yeah, definitely. That 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 validates kind of exactly yeah. what we were saying earlier. What whatever you guys did before this game to prepare and how you were planning to execute it, don't do that next game. Try something different because that was bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, four coming up against Kansas City this week. Uh, it is Barrios versus Brady Singer to start the series on Monday. Oh okay. <laughs> Listen, if there is any team for Jose Barrios to start his season on a strong note against, this is a great matchup. It is. I mean, I was thinking that as Chris Bassett is getting launched around in the third and fourth innings, I'm thinking, well, you know, this is probably going to be a taxing bullpen day, but at the very least, Jose Barrios is pitching the next game, and then Yusei Kikuchi is pitching after that. So we've got some big-time wild cards coming up here. We really don't know what to expect. Two guys where you're like, yeah, are you going to be as bad as last year? Are you going to be as good as you have been in your career? What What are you going to be? Honestly, who knows? But like you said, this is the Kansas City Royals. They scored in their opening three games against the Minnesota Twins, what, three runs, four runs in total? Their lineup looks decrepit, and it's going to be at Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City, which is a cave. It's a difficult, it's a difficult hitter's park. It's a pitcher's park. So, I mean, if, if there was a place for both of them, really, Barrios and Kikuchi, to get things going in the right direction, you were right. It is Kansas City, though. Kansas City is so cursed. I will never go into a series against the Royals in Kansas City as a Blue Jays fan and think good things are going to happen. I, I can't do it. And then after the first two games, both rotations reset. So it's Manoa versus Granke, Kevin Gosman against Jordan Lyles. In the Zach Granke start, he was actually decent. Five and a third, gave up two earned runs. They lost that game 2 nothing. Jordan Lyles in his start <laughs> was actually decent, Coombsy. Five and a third, gave up one earned run, and they lost the game 2 nothing. So uh, Granke and Lyles got off to OK starts. Fuck, those bats are so bad. Yeah, who's who's in the Kansas City lineup? It's it's Bobby Witt Jr.'s their their big rookie sophomore type guy. Is there anybody else there? Like, Salvador Perez. I think Pascantino has like a little bit of upside this year. I, I just know that because I drafted him in one of my fantasy leagues because I read him in an article. It was like, hey, here's a potential high upside bat. Um, so yeah, like a couple of I guess okay bats, but outside of that, not a lot going on. Uh Whit Merrifield revenge series as well. Yes. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good point. I kind of forgot about that. Whit Merrifield was there. It'll be his return to Kansas City. I would assume. I don't think they played the Royals late in the season last year, but they are an easy team to forget. So it's hard to say. Yeah, let's just hope that it's a whole bunch of runs and good pitching performances, and the Jays play the Royals like they should win three of four games at least. Could yes. possibly sweep. Why not? The Royals suck. They scored. They scored two runs, three runs against the Twins 
and the Twins are not a spectacular pitching team. So this is a this is a lineup that doesn't hit. And uh, man, I really hope I'm not jinxing something here though, because we know Kansas City it's bad vibes. But I'm 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 I think I'm feeling pretty good. I think I am. The Blue Jays as minus 133 favorites for the series opener, 740 Eastern first pitch on Monday evening. The Jays also plus 118 on the run line for that ball game. Actually not as big of favorites as I thought they would be. Maybe that's a little bit of the Jose Barrios effect and them not expecting a lot of people back in the Jays with that. But I'm hoping Barrios gets off to a good start. That's one of the big things I'm watching in this game. I would love to see the bats come through with a couple of dingers just because, you know, the long ball is more fun. Um, but yeah, lots of offense, hopefully some good pitching. And Coombsy, I like our chances of coming out of this with three wins to talk about on Thursday. Um, and it could, you know, hopefully the Jays take advantage of this because... Again, I know that there's, I'm just, I'm always so torn on this. Like, yeah, games, there are three games through 162. It's a lot. But then I also go, ah, you got like 10 weekish spots on the schedule in a row here. These wins are worth just as much as, as wins in September, you know? Yeah, we saw last year, man. The Yankees had the American League East wrapped up in like mid-May. Yeah. So you get off to a ridiculously good start and you make your life a lot easier down the road. Like, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and worry too much about results, but you know, you can, you can also sit here and be like a fantastic start is a fantastic start. And you can definitely wish for it because they have the schedule here. The Cardinals were the hard part of the easy schedule and they still get out of it with one and two, not a horrible result. And now it's like, you know, four versus Kansas city, three versus Anaheim. And then it's home against Detroit. Detroit sucks. Like that's what 10 games right there against teams that maybe Anaheim's in the mix for the playoffs. The other two sure as hell won't be. So why not go ahead and win eight of 10 games here? Seems doable. Why not? Eight and two run. Jays would start the season yep. at a nice nine and three. That feels about right. Uh, let's like hope that. they live up to that hype. Uh, all right. There you go. That is episode 132. If you're new to the pod, we drop a new episode after every single Jays series throughout the season. So make sure you subscribe. Leave us a review if you're on Apple as well. Give us five stars if you've been enjoying or listening to all 132 of them. Coomzy, you enjoy this week and we'll be back on Thursday with a fresh pod. Best wishes. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.